Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. It is that time again. It's your favorite Tuesday you've had all week, and it is time for the True Wealth Radio Show. We have a studio full today. Of course, I'm your host, David Littlejohn, and everybody's going to sound off. So, Katie Shook. Derek Simmons and the many voices in my head. Okay, so we've got uh, it's our... It's nice to know that somebody else has lots of oh, voices yeah. in their head. Now, do you all have conversations together, though? No, we don't. Okay. We shout each other yeah. down periodically. One at a time! <laughs> One at Shut a time! No, you! <laughs> Okay, so uh, welcome everybody. I don't know why it feels like it's been a really long time since last Tuesday for me. It feels like a long time. It does feel like a long time. And and for the rest of you, maybe it doesn't feel that way, but that's okay. Well, uh, there's weird holidays coming up too, so we get some Tundays coming up. Because isn't no. the Fourth of July oh, the on sixth Monday? Is a Tunday, isn't it? The what? July 6th, because the 4th is on a Sunday. Is that what it is? Yes. And so it's the 5th is on, on the 5th is the Monday. And then the, oh, so the 6th is a t- Okay, got it. Because I was like, wait, the 6th? I'm like, the 6th is after 4th of July. No, you're right. The 5th is, a, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to. Coming up. Gonna enjoy that. Coming. Okay, I have to ask, what's a Tunday? Okay, it's when a Tuesday this. and a Monday are combined together. So all the work from Monday gets piled into. See, I used to call it Muse Day, but gotcha. that makes it sound like fun. It does. And David coined it Tunday because it's always a ton of work when you have to combine a Tuesday and a Monday together. And for us, <laughs> I, I like I'm, I've adopted Tunday because it, it is a ton. And for us specifically, because we're here, right? We leave the office about three thirty. So not only do you have to fit. 40 hours worth of work into 32, but it's really into about 30 because we get two hours less on Tuesdays. You guys are so pessimistic. We get a three-day weekend and you're complaining about it. I don't think I'm complaining about the three-day no, weekend. No, that's, 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 that's follow That comes from a workaholic, by the way. Yeah, it's not the weekend that's the problem. Yeah, no, 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 I'm totally cool with the weekend part. <laughs> on a three-day weekend, you can just go into the office and get a bunch of stuff done and nobody calls. No, that's not true. They still call. No, actually, what they do is they call because they're thinking about it, thinking we're not going to be there and that they're going to leave voicemails. And then we answer and then it creates a whole nother. Yeah, don't answer. That's that screws up the whole plan. Right. No, so it doesn't work so well. And I I make that mistake, too, every once in a while if I'm working late and I see the phone and I'm like, oh, I'll answer it. And they're like, oh, you're still there. Mm hmm. Yeah, I am now. I am now. What do you need? (laughs) Always on duty. Oh, true, true. Hey, um, so I want to unpack. This. So, Derek, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. Of course, uh, Derek represents uh, kind of our, our favorite legal wing where we occasionally discuss things like law and go-karts. Yay. Right? So so we're still, I think, on the, the go-kart kick, right? It's inevitable. Okay, so, so and, and that may actually be one of the track names. Which track are you on today? Inevitable. inevitable. <laughs> exactly. That would be funny. My, my, That'd be my good. father used to talk about buying a boat and naming it the inevitable. So, so um, my my uncle has a boat, a lake boat, and it says my diamond necklace, and it's because his wife got so pissed because she wanted a diamond necklace and he bought a boat, so they named the boat diamond necklace. That uh, that went over well, I'm sure. Not very well for about a year and a half. She still got a diamond necklace. It just came a little bit after the boat. I, I think my favorite <laughs> boat name was the one that was. Um, now who's the loser, Dad? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's anyway. pretty good. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about now. It is a True Well show. We talk about all kinds of stuff, but today's show is around. Uh, I want to talk about what the heck is financial planning, right? Well, we talked. Uh, a well, more weeks specifically, ago. more specifically, we're going to talk about 
the cycle or the spin cycle the, of the, the of financial the planning process. Like, what are the stages that come with this? But not just financial planning. It turns out this kind of falls under the category of planning. Well, and I would say too that there's there's many books out there that talk about financial planning. I mean, there's even like memes and all sorts of stuff all over Google and that you can look up to talk about the steps, right? But I would say it's one thing to know the steps. It's another thing to put them in practice, right? Like knowing the theory or the concept of how something works is great. But then actually putting it pen to paper and trying to create the steps sometimes is a lot more complicated than people think. It sounds way easier to just read about it and go, hmm, that sounds like it would work, and then go on to do something else. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like really that about Derek. that. That's sort of how I feel about creating corporate operating agreements. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right? just yeah. wrong, <laughs> Dave. That's fun. That should be so easy. What are you talking about? I know, right? Uh, so, uh, planning generically, right? We've we talked about on a previous show, and we'll it'll get mixed in today if it doesn't make sense. The difference between goal based and cash flow based planning, and we have also talked about. Uh, well, I guess not. So we're going to talk about the, we talked the steps about that and last phases week. today. Goal-based and cash flow-based. Was it last week? It was last week. It feels like a really long t- week. So uh, It's nice to know you have those, too, because most of them feel like that to Oh, me. my gosh. Uh, the <laughs> longest night of sleep I had is now six and a half hours in the past week. Yeah, so but you normally just... sleep that anyway. Shh. So... I know. Like, you, don't, you don't sleep. Like, if you had eight hours, I was like, oh, he's sick. <laughs> Right. Or he's dying of cancer. It's one of the two because it's yeah. not you. You do not sleep. Now you've just worried the entire radio. Oh, he's came. not dying. He's healthy as a horse. He's fine. Anyway, so, we're talking about planning. So I want to talk about. So funeral first, planning. No, 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 I'm sorry. All of many, many things. So let's first I want to give you the steps that occur from the CFP board, right? The Certified Financial Planner Board. Right. And there, you know, this is one of these governing Which David bodies. David is a that, gold card carrying member. Right. So I, I have a, you know, I am currently a, you know, current, meaning, you know, all of my continuing education is up to date and my fees are paid as a certified financial planner. Okay. <laughs> That's the important part. The fees paid. The fee is paid. Uh, did have to pass the exam, which was a two day comprehensive. Anything under the sun and in the cookbook was eligible to be included in and there. Stuff kind that's of not in the cookbook. I do not recommend taking that test. It it's not ever, as much fun as it sounds like. It's not as much fun as it sounds like. Okay. Uh, you it's know. even worse. So uh, here's the there are currently seven steps. There used to be six, now there's seven. Okay. And I'll just sort of summarize. The first is because remember, CFPs have clients. So this is the perspective of how the CFP is supposed to serve, right? So Understand the client's personal financial circumstance. That's step one. Number two, identify and select goals. Step three. Go karts. Sorry. That's two point. That's two A. Right. Okay. Step three, analyze the current course of action and potential recommendations. Okay. Step four, develop a financial planning recommendations. Step five, present said recommendations. Step six implement recommendations and step seven is monitor the progress and then come back around to it to back to when you're monitoring oh if things have changed you should understand the client's personal goal or uh, circumstances you should see if the goals have changed analyze the situation rinse and repeat you get the idea it's this sort of circle where you keep coming back to it and i look at this and i go okay well these are all perfectly relevant steps but if you as a 
do-it-yourselfer or somebody that's trying to assess this were to look at this, I, I think that there's a lot of extra moving parts in there that are probably not so required. Well, it's not that they're not required. I just but think- I, I think we get that down to three and a half steps. As yes. long as half of them is go kart, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> that's now, the, that's the uh, the sub paragraph A of right, section two. Yeah. Oh right my half. gosh! So so here's my question too, because Derek has joined us in the studio today as a business attorney, mm-hmm. right? Who does estates and wills and business planning, right? I'm assuming, and I'm making an assumption, so correct me if you do some of this too as well, right? So there's understand the client's goals and what kind of stuff services you're offering them. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So my my curious question is, how does it look different from Derek's perspective than it does from David's? Well, we have to ask Derek. Hmm. So well, De- Derek's going to look at my cliff notes. Really I quick. am. Yeah. So well, yeah, those cliff notes are not the same. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but the understanding of the circumstances is the first key to anybody I'm working with. Right. And then their goal is the second one. OK. And then you come up with a plan for it. And then you get them to confirm that they want you to go through the plan, and then you implement it. So, so they're very, it's very similar. similar. Yeah. yeah. And and this is because planning as a process is largely similar. Right. Right. So I think we got it down to four primary nuggets, right? Right. So what are, what? Uh, you wrote them down. I did. <laughs> I was just well, shooting off at the hip, and Katie's like, I'm going to write these down. I'm like, that's a good plan. I don't know if I'll remember it. The better part was, I'm eating my lunch. Let me get my food and a notepad. <laughs> We'll write right. them both down. Okay, so step one was... Because tacos. Because tacos. Taco Tuesday, hello. Indeed. Okay, number one, uh, goal setting. So we talked about goal setting, right? And we talked about goal setting in the past on the show. Like, you know, if you don't put it down, pen to paper, then right. it's just a wish. So goal setting was the first one. What are your goals? Um, invent- you said take an inventory of what you have. Now that you haven't mentioned yet, but you said inventory. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain the steps. So you just have to remind me what they are. Goal setting, inventory, strategy, and then your contingency plan. Yeah. So these are the... And then rinse and repeat. Yeah. So I think that these actually hang within the framework of the plan as as Derek just laid it out. Because understanding the circumstances, you can't develop strategy without understanding the circumstances. It won't be effective. Right. Right. So you kind of have to have that in there. And you also, if you, in order to know how to develop strategy, you need to take an inventory of what you're working with. Right. So this was more like the practical application stuff is you need to know what you want to do, what you're working with, what you're going to do to accomplish it. And then what happens if you're wrong? So that's that's the four steps that belong in the seven. So really, there's 11 steps now. Right. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, you said what happens if you're wrong? And I'm not thinking like what happens if you're wrong? Like what happens if it's a good plan, but it gets sidetracked or derailed somehow? Well, I guess what happens if you predict the future inaccurately? Right. I mean, like the contingency planning is what if the expectation changes? Because it changes all the time. I mean, the, the laws change and economic circumstances change. Heck, your goals may change. Yeah, right? I, I spent a lot of time saving money for oldest son to go to college, and then he paid for it himself. Right, that which turkey? was very that was a very cool and easy thing to adapt. Well, with. then you're like, sweet, I have other children. I know. Okay, guess what? You That's get right. more college fund. <laughs> But but right. that's and now he's like maybe more kids should go to military. Agreed, academies. they all should. But the <laughs> but the important part is that they uh, the circumstances change and they change for a good purpose, uh, you know, in a good way. But it still causes me to reevaluate what else I'm doing. True. Okay, so let's 
your, this, your goal, is, your, as I say, your planning for college actually became the contingency. Yeah. Like if he well, doesn't get into the military academy, then we can pay for college. <laughs> good. So, so what I want to do is we're going to use kind of a, a, a generic case study style example of helping. So if you're out there trying to figure out how, like, why do you care about a financial plan? What does it mean with investing and all of that? Like, where does it all fit? It does fit together. We'll put that together after this important break. Yep, nailed it on the music there. So stick around, everybody. We'll be right back. Until then, in studio, this is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And Derek Simmons. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. gang welcome back to the true wealth show with a gaggle of us in studio right so oh and we sound like we're gagging oh wait gaggle, gaggle. not not the same okay I'm sorry pretty froggy today i'm not gonna lie uh, all day i've been like uh, my voice keeps cracking it's, it's your smoker's cough doing the james yeah. earl jones thing hate- by that <laughs> no. the james earl jones thing yes no. oh, do you have kennel cough david i am your father <laughs> no, i keep having to like clear my throat out and i'm like i can't do that on the radio then i gotta do the mute thing or something oh so we'll just you know go over there and cough in the corner you guys talk amongst yourselves right so uh today's show is sort of un i guess demystifying the planning process the planning process we call it we're teasing the spin cycle of this because it's 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 like seasons right you know you come back to the beginning and then you do it all over again uh and that's how planning really works in finance because you're constantly assessing okay is it working what changed what do we need to modify is it working what changed what do we need to modify and right it just keeps going so i thought it would be interesting if we maybe talk through and and the while the planning cycle is this rinse and repeat deal you know the life cycle is not it's a timeline and so how do you mix the two together when your life is on a sort of a timeline, but the planning process, this is a circular loopy thing? Well, and your goals do change over time, right? Like your goals in the beginning are usually saving for retirement. It's like save, save, save. And then you hit retirement and then the goal is don't spend it all. Right. So <laughs> or hopefully don't so, spend it all before a day. <laughs> so here's how I'm going to try to paint a mental picture. And we're going to let's let's go on, on a little bit of a planning journey together. Like what would it be if you were going to develop your own plan? Sweet. Okay. Let's do that. And this can be applied to lots of things, but we're going to use finance because, hey, it's the true wealth show. Okay. So think of a calendar only stretch it out. on like you remember if you ever seen the timelines in the like the G. I'm thinking like archaeology books and stuff when you were a kid in school. Yeah. And it says like, here's geological, the beginning of Earth. And then you start looking across the page. And then there was, you know, lava. And then there was dinosaurs. And then there was man. And then there was the Renaissance, right? And then all the way up to modern history. And it's this timeline where it's it's stretched out just across the pages a line instead of a bunch of pages in a calendar. Sure. Okay. So you got this mental timeline. And you're standing it today. And you're looking out down the line toward the future. Okay. okay. And what you're going to do is you're going to put different goals at different timelines saying, well, I want to make these different things happen in my life at different times. And so those goals are like the dinosaurs and the lava and the different things. And go-karts. Go-karts. Well, so so go-karts this are still is, on your timeline. I'm we're going to totally use go-karts in this example, right? <laughs> so if we were going to develop a plan to make the go-karts a reality, 
Okay, so that because right, what is what is a a dream is is just no, a goal, a goal without a deadline. Right. Right. So goals are dreams with deadlines. So let's play this game of Derek. We want to put a go kart track in Greater Roseburg area. Right. Okay. So first, explain the goal to me. What what are some of the things that it should be? Okay, it should be a track, okay. and it should be electric um, go karts, and it should oh, that's be like an electric track. A, well, <laughs> I know. I was waiting for that. I was like, that's kind of cool. And it should have. It should be in a building so that we can drive in the rain. Yes. So it's an indoor go-kart track with electric go-karts that is correct that's okay. my plan because you can't really have gas i guess stuff that's indoors, not a plan that's a dream or a goal it does sound like a uh sounds like a description of a potential dream that could become a goal also we want the swedish bikini team to man the to staff the uh that the, sounds more like a dream and less no? like a goal okay okay yeah. i i think that that do they still have a swedish bikini team i'm sure they must because yes. i knew that was a big thing like a while ago and a joke of many but I, when i was growing up but i don't know i haven't heard that the, in a while. well the, you could also used to be able to get a phone that plugged into the wall when you bought sports illustrated it's so, true it's true <laughs> looked like a shaped hamburger. like a football yeah the football one yeah so oh, goodness uh, okay. now we're dating ourselves so okay the so go-kart track indoors with electric go-karts okay so that that's the generic concept so if we were to make plans for this, I guess I need to know a little bit more about and you you know they're they're all fictional at this point. So what's it cost to do this? About two and a half million dollars. Okay. Plus the land and building. Okay, so that's not including the land and building. Yeah, well, it kind of depends. See, that's the number I got from the Medford place that was like that, and they didn't own their building. They also pay a bunch in rent every month. So okay. perhaps not. Perhaps it was perhaps it was a build the suit thing. So they're paying for the construction of the building. So maybe it is just two and a half million. Period. All right. Wow. Okay. So we can work with two and a half million, though, right? So now, Dave, I need four hundred percent returns on all my money for the next <laughs> forty-five 20 days, years. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that's but th therein lies the the planning conundrum, right? You now know what you want. Okay. Two and a half million dollars to create this thing. It's on your timeline, but we don't know where, right? It's still sort of sliding back and forth on the timeline. And, it, you know, arbitrarily, like, like, well, if it could be tomorrow, that'd be awesome. But there's going to be build time and there's going to be other logistics associated with right. it that are mechanical, right? I mean, hey, we got to get permission and permits and all the things. Well, we got to find a property. This. I mean, without True. the property, that dream doesn't right. go anywhere. So as you work your way backwards, it's like, well, you know, Dave, as much as I love this illustration because I'm such a huge go-kart fan, I think we should choose a different one. Well, I'm going to show you why, how fast this finishes. Okay, I'm not going to turn it into an all the whole show. Okay. I know we, we drive people nuts, right? right? What we need to know, though, is what's what are you working with to get there? Now, the goal could be done lots of ways, right? There are ways to accelerate it. It's just like, well, I'm going to save $10 a week. Then I can go, well, then I can tell you how long it's going to take. That's right. And it could be a long time. And the price may change before you get there. Or it could be, what if you pulled other investors together and everybody pooled money and you sort of had fractional ownership of this thing, right? You could do it that way. 4,000 people at $10 a week really has a chance at some point. Exactly, right? Oh, so goodness. there okay. are different ways to make this happen. It just depends on how creative do we want to be, right? But it, but it starts with, well, how soon then? If you say, I want this go-kart track in three years. 
okay, now we have a time period and we know how much capital needs to get raised and it's gonna really inform what you can do, right? And this is what I mean about planning is sometimes the it's the idea that makes things happen. That's what goal-based planning is. Sometimes it's the available resources and that's typically what cash flow planning does, right? Cash flow planning says, well, can I even get to that goal? Right. right. So in this case, they both matter, right? And the question is, well, then where do you shift stuff around to get creative? Now, that was go-kart tracks. Your personal finance is going to be different, right? Uh, so, Katie, let's let's play the game with you. Okay. Um, what is a financial goal? And, and again, it could be fictional, but if you want to throw out a real goal out, what's a financial goal that you would you are setting for the future so my one of my financial goals is to have my home paid off by the time i'm 45. okay so in in the next and, and actually i'll stretch that number out a little bit because i'll be 42 this year my goal is to pay off my home in the next four years okay so home paid for in four years now we don't need to go into lots of specifics but what is your strategy to accomplish that so part of my strategy was uh that I took the amount of the balance that I owe on the home, divided it by four years, right? Because I figured if I'm paying pretty much all principal at this point, right? I don't have to worry about as much interest because mm -hmm. I'm accelerating quickly <laughs> my payments. Mm -hmm. um, and then my goal was to manage all of the other household expenses on my paycheck so that all of my husband's income could be applied towards the principal of the home. So that was my strategy. Okay. Um, now, his income fluctuates because he's a realtor, but if our general needs were taken care of, then any income he makes, so it could be accelerated faster than my four-year timeline, or it could possibly take longer depending on how the markets perform and how he performs over the next few years. Okay. So that sounds like a goal-based plan. Right. Right? Where the, the cash flow elements to it are... I mean, they're pretty loose. They're fluctuating. They're loose. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty loose. So, uh, and the, and I guess the downside would be, you 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 miss the timing. Right. But, but you know, you could also accelerate it. So, the the four years was just how you did the math. Right. It like it made it it made it sense based on what we owed still to make it reasonable. And the goal was to pay off the home so that that would become our first rental, and that would start providing rental income, and then we could purchase another home. But if we had it free and clear, then we didn't have to worry about carrying two mortgages or qualifying for two mortgages. It all makes sense. It so does. My goal was to upgrade our home, but by doing it with rental income and having that be our first rental. Yeah, and and by the way, I endorse this strategy. <laughs> I think it's a good strategy. Right. Uh, so this is the part that I think is relevant, though. In both of the things that we just discussed, go-karts and home purchase, it's the strategy. Right? And, and I think that's the part that's sometimes missed in all of the, the the hoopla, right? You know, everybody talks about this, oh, it's a seven step process and it's a this, a that, and the other. Well, what what it all is is know what you want, develop the strategy to get there, and then have the flexibility to adapt the strategy when the events change. Well, and here's I'm gonna take it one step further. So I've had relatives who have investment income and they said, Well, why are you waiting to have it paid off? Why not just leverage it now and take the rental income and help with your mortgage now? And I said, well, that's a strategy, mm -hmm. but if I don't have tenants or I have a lapse and I have two mortgages to carry, therefore I need to have more financial security to be able to do that plan. Now, maybe it doesn't get me to a future goal of rentals as quickly, but it's a more secure plan for my it's history. A, it's a risk return sort exactly. of a Correct. Yeah, this so, is a risk management 
part of the strategy, right? Right. And I would say that both both paths are adequate, right? But it depends on your personal circumstances. And this is where I would assume as a financial advisor, this is important to know people and how they manage risk and what kind of risk they're willing to take on. Because some people would be willing to do that path to get there faster. And other people would be kind of doing the path I just described to get there slower, but maybe in more financial secure way to go. Yeah, it's sort of the... I, I always this is an inside joke, by the way, but this is the tyranny of being a fiduciary. OK, and, and it's because there is nuance. Right. As you just described, there is nuance to the definition being a fiduciary. Is, you're supposed to put the client's interest ahead of your own. So we're supposed to put the, the best interest of the clients forward. Right. What happens when the best interest is not it's, it's not a yes or a no. What if it's a spectrum of opportunity here? That's the tricky part is, well, how much risk are, is acceptable? How do you quantify that? Because some of these things are more touchy-feely. Well, right? and like, I There's would not say, exactly math behind, well, you, you know, all right, pay off the whole house. Okay, I mean, that's just, that's just commitment to strategy, but is it really a difference in how much risk difference is it? Well, let me, let me take it one step further. So in my conversation with said family member, and this is something that I would hope would come up in a conversation with you if you and I were having sitting down with me as a potential client talking about this, is I said, you know, my husband and I have changed careers. We lived in Oregon for 10 years and we've changed industries twice. So for me, it was more about consistency of income. Now, if you've been at the same job for 10, 15, 20 years and your income's pretty consistent, path A may have sounded better because it's like, well, I know that my income's there. Because we've moved states, we've moved careers, we've moved industries, it, it, there's not enough history there where our, the security made more sense to me, right? So again, knowing your client, knowing their history a little bit about them and what makes sense. And I guess I'm, you know, I'm telling you a lot about me personally, but that's, that's where some of these decisions come from. Absolutely. And that is right back to the very first part of the seven-step process, understand the client's circumstance. Right. Because right? if you didn't know that bit, then that may not make as much sense to you. It's the most important part of what I do, I think. It, it, if somebody comes in and says, Derek, I want a will, and they start telling me what they want, we may miss important parts about who they are and how that affects things that unfold later. Right. So we start out talking about how they got here and who their family is and uh, what's important to them. And those things lead inexorably to a better plan. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it sometimes seems like it's superlative, but it's, in my opinion, it's essential is getting a feel for what makes people tick to understand them. And in, in a sense, you're reading between the lines, right? You're, you're trying to understand the nuance so that your advice is very, very relevant to the person. And it's not just a cookie cutter thing because it's not, your life is not numbers all the time. No. And we try to distill it down, but those are all approximations. Right. Right. Like we just, we're analog people not and, and in a digital system. So <laughs> that's what true. happens. Right. So uh, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the key planning elements. What I want to talk a little bit about is flexibility and contingency. But it turns out we do have to take an obscene profit break first. So stick around. We'll be right back. We're going to be talking contingency planning and other goodies. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. We've got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN.
Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. If you are just joining us, I've got in studio with me... Katie Sheck. And Derek Simmons. And you can catch up by grabbing the podcast tomorrow. It'll be available at littlejohnfs.com. Do you want to hear something cool about our podcast? Yes. We are ranked 93rd business podcast in Vietnam. Yeah, I, I, we're in the top 100 business podcasts listed in Vietnam. Little, little did you know, there's <laughs> only 95 listed. I know so. that might be true, but no, uh, top 100. And then we're actually we're ranked 183rd. I'm not again. Don't know how many are on there business podcast in the U.S. I've heard of the U.S. I You've have, heard of so uh, well. Uh, this I here's I my thing this, though. I, I thought this was like a solicitation email though, where somebody's like, "Oh, we can help you with that too. Look, you're already here, but we could get you to there." And I'm like. What are you selling me? But besides email? that, the fact that it like listed it, like I don't know how many business podcasts are out there, and I know there's a lot of business shows. So I was like, you know what? I don't care. Well, it might be out of 200. I don't know. But well, I like, chuckle because <laughs> I'm like, what metric are you using? Where did this come from? Who ranked this? Because I could be like, you know what? We are the number one radio show in our own rankings. We are unbelievably <laughs> but they awesome. They didn't say number one. They actually had like a legit number. I know. I want to know the system too. I'm always curious about the actual system, but I thought that was kind of a cool number. You know, Katie. Yeah. Uh, What's up? 76.4% of all statistics are made up. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. Yeah. And the other 39% are invented. <laughs> oh, man. Those numbers don't even add up. Go, don't just, do the math. Jeez. <laughs> all right. All right. So contingency planning, that was part of your steps. Yeah. So it's the whole planning thing. And here's where the, my, my steps are all the fill in the blanks, right? The, the obvious stuff is like, under, so we, remember we talked about you understand the client, you're going to set goals, you need to analyze the circumstance, develop a plan, present it, implement it, monitor it. And in between... I kind of lump these things together as know what you want, develop a strategy to get there, track it, and then what happens when stuff goes as not as expected, right? Or what happens when things change? That's change is a better. good one. Yeah, no, because change can be positive too. It doesn't always have to be negative, but like how is it, you know, how can it break? Yeah. Well, and then also what things would change the circumstances? And change can also be as we get older and gain experience you may want different stuff that has happened to me in fact because the thing i chased for 25 years of adulthood was security mm -hmm. i wanted to be secure and then i i reached where i feel like i am secure now i can say well what other might what other goals might i have that i can chase? like a go-kart for example <laughs> But those are also weird things because was it a weird moment for you when you realized you had kind of accomplished that goal? Like, it, did you feel a little goalless? It, like, kind of. I did not. That it felt really good. It okay. felt really good because sometimes that goal seems so big that by the time people reach it, it's almost a little anticlimactic. It's almost like, well, now what? Yeah, I've experienced that in other things, but but with this one in particular, I suddenly realized I could relax just yeah. a little bit. Oh, let me ruin it. Uh, because <laughs> oh, let me ruin it sorry. hold yeah. my beer oh, okay uh, well uh, only because uh, I, i'm glad that it works i really can't take this away from you by the way i just know that um i hear this a lot from folks uh the higher the net worth the more frequently i hear it which is i just want security and i would suggest that there's no such thing as security that's right? a, yeah it's not a quantifiable it's, it's, goal it's because what you can have is really good odds right but there's there's there are unknowns and liabilities and other things in life that just happen. And these are the things that are, they really are contingencies. Um, this is why, Derek, we often talk when you're here about 
the estate planning process, right? I will beat my fist on the desk over estate planning. I mean, I will really challenge people on this because I remember getting a phone call and having my life change because my, my mother was killed in a head-on collision. She was a passenger. And she vehicle. wasn't very old. Yeah, at 55 years old and perfectly healthy and perfectly vibrant, uh, she was simply gone in an instant when somebody else crossed the center line and head on. And she, she didn't get a chance. Well, you know what? That changed the entire family dynamic. And thankfully, there had been estate planning in place so things could be somewhat managed. And it was still chaos. Right? Well, in, there's because the everybody's emotional over and grieving, and Absolutely. there's a loss, and you know we've talked about being well, chaos emotional. Is chaos, even when when you have good plans right. in place. Well, and but being emotional, you're not logical when you're emotional, and losing someone, people are really emotional. But I think you're right. I think uh, I'm I'm but speaking it's, of the it's, general security. Right. It's like the security is a myth. It's not right? like you can stop paying attention. Correct, and and it's not like there bad things can't still happen. But I think the larger issue is you had a strategy that says, or I think you have a strategy, right, that says at this threshold, this should sustain what I'm looking for for the remainder of my days in such a way that I'm not concerned about whether or not I'm going to be eating cat food. Well, what I'm thinking <laughs> about was um, when I first met with a, a young financial planner here about 20 years ago, um, he told me. You know, you really, before you start spending any money on investments, you want to have six months of cash in the bank. Right. Just, just in case of emergency. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so much money. money. How am I possibly ever going to do that? And then eventually I was able to reach that goal. And then I was able to start putting some away. And so it worked on itself. But security overall became, now I've got six months cash and I've got some more, too. I'd right. be okay. And you know what the magic of the number is? People miss it. Do you know where the six months comes from? No. Like, mm -hmm. there's an actual reason for the six months. Dave Ramsey's not just out there going, oh, you got six months in the bank. So, typically, if you fill in all the contingency plans, one of them is so, what do you think is the most valuable asset that we all have? Us. Like, us personally. Yeah, your health. Yeah, it's your ability to earn an income. Right. Okay. So, if you lose your ability to earn an income, if you're effectively disabled, that is a significant handicap financially. Right. So one of the things that is sort of at the blocking and tacking, tackling level for the financial plan is adequate insurance for contingency. It's why you have to have homeowner's insurance if you have a mortgage. Right. Right. Because the bank doesn't want to be exposed to liability. So like, you have to carry it or we won't give you the loan. Right. Right. Uh, and it's why... We talk about life insurance. If you're gone and somebody's counting on your income, the life insurance fills up the bucket that you were going to fill. But what happens if you're not gone and if you can't work? Yeah, if you're not gone, it's disability. Well, disability policies are based on your income, right? Because what they're doing is they're replacing your income. So they're actually underwritten based on how much you earn. They don't fully replace your income. There's another good reason why they don't. Why do you think that is? You don't want to be disabled. You don't want to cause yourself to be disabled or imitate disability uh, to collect the same amount of money. Right. And so you want that, an incentive that's, to work. That's part of. That I was is, thinking about taxes, of. though, if like if it depending on how that's you pay. That's the other part. All right. We got it covered. So one of them is it's called a pernicious incentive. You don't want to incentivize somebody to get paid more, not work than to work. 
right? So we've that's seen that. part of it. We yeah, we we may have played that with the disability with the uh, stimulus uh, checks. The, the stimulus stuff was going on. Yeah, I, the anyway the unemployment bump that that happened. The other is because disability benefits, if you are paying for them with after-tax money, are tax-free. So you don't need as much money to replace it because you're not paying taxes on it. Right. So disability is a lower figure because it's a net figure rather than a pre-tax yeah. and then taxed to what's left. So those are the two elements behind disability. But isn't there also a waiting period, too, or something before that's disability it. kicks Four in? Four months. Well, no, it's, it's six months. It's typically six months. So that's, that's why where he it says six from. months worth of income, because it's yeah. the tie over that you need until disability kicks in that's to exactly replace your income. Hey, I win. Right? All and that's right. also why <laughs> if you have multiple streams of income, so if you've got passive income streams that will partially support you, you don't need as much of an emergency fund because you've got other resources to pad the blow. And if you have a working spouse, spouse or partner, yeah, if you have two incomes in the house, you also have a, something to augment the cost, which is why there's some pliability in the planning for your emergency fund, right? You guys thought it was just this formula. Well, well no, and but I do remember them saying, not like, you if, in the studio. All of our listeners all of our are our like. Listeners. That actually kind of makes sense now. It's like, yep. It, but they it also has a real said reason. if both spouses, so even if you are a two-income household, if you both work for the same company, then you should still have six months. Because what happens if the company goes over, or lays everybody off, right? Because yeah. it, it, it it's kind of a double whammy. And by the way, I've had that happen, where yeah. my spouse and I got laid off at the same time. So even if you are a two-income household and work for the same company, it can still happen. So six months worth of savings is something that's really important. And I will tell you, I've experienced it personally. That's why. It exists that way. Well, I wasn't sure that the six month derived from the disability calculation because most people don't have disability insurance. Well, again, this is the theory. Gotcha. Right? The theory is that that would be of what would have been what covered it. So this is sort of where lots of things come from funny spots and then they sort of evolve past it because our behaviors change. Very few people carry disability insurance. I'm not saying that should be the case, but I'm saying it is the case. Right. Uh, like very few people carry long-term care insurance. That one we could debate more because I actually think the actuarial work on long-term care has gotten kind of iffy. Well, right? but the disability, I mean, standard disability insurance, I understand, but isn't there disability in like your car insurance and stuff to where if like you got in a car accident that caused you or isn't there so, some disability kind of built into some of those things or no? No, not really disability. Typically, if something like that occurs... Uh, you know, disability is again based on how long is the disability going to occur, what's the definition of it. So it, it is a specifically insured event. If you lose your ability to earn an income, you may receive some form of lump sum compensation in the form of, I don't know what the legal term is, but it's like a restorative damages kind of issue. It's yeah, not I punitive. Was, it's I was a, thinking of accidental death and dismemberment. If I lose an arm, yeah. that, that may cause me to be unable to work for a while, but and I get one lump sum. I don't get money for however long I'm disabled, which would be forever. Right. Well, and even disability insurance usually has like a, there's a timeline attached to it. It's it, not a forever the either. The answer is it depends. Oh, right? okay. There are, there are variants, there are variables to the disability scenario, right? Including, is it specific occupation or is it general disability? Uh, is it a specific amount of time? Uh, is it a specific income level? It's a percentage of income. Uh, usually you can't go more than I think 60% of your income. So you know you may insure less than that. So there are all kinds of variables that go into that equation. Uh, it's not as simple as, and then for a lot of folks, uh, there's social security disability, which is a different animal than disability insurance, right? right. It is a, it's a public safety net program, but it's not 
formal disability insurance. And we're going to plan to come back in a couple of minutes. Yeah, so let's do this. We'll grab our last break because we, you know, we're getting through the contingencies, and we'll we'll get t- toward the end of planning. But uh, we better contingency plan our breaks here too. So we'll take this one. We'll be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shuck and Derek Simmons. We got True Wealth on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show. Uh, we have covered all of the planning that uh, we care to cover today, I think. You oh, yeah. Can... It's been the spin cycle of financial planning. We've talked about what the steps are, but then what it really means to go through kind of some of those steps. Yep. And we've and given you two different examples today. Several. And, and ultimately, it is if you know what you want, then you can develop. If you know what you want and you know what you're working with, you can figure out what you're missing and develop a strategy to fill in the gaps, right? right. And then, or augment your goals to what you or, have, or <laughs> modify your expectations. I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to: is you're going to have to pull the different levers to balance out the equalizer, right. right? You know, and that's that's how the equations work to balance. Is you're going to have to move it on one side or the other of that that equal sign to get it to work. So, Derek, during the break, we were we we're chatting about something that I thought was kind of fun, right? You, Derek, you talked about how your goals have evolved with time. They have. Right. So what, I guess, you know, you work with clients on a regular basis too. How do you uh, counsel people when you see things change? How do I counsel thing, people when I see things change? Well, I, yeah, I guess, you know, how do you go about with adaptability? Right, because because I see that things change often. I mean, in in I'll, I'll give an example. In our own relationship professionally, right, there was a time when you advised me to change entities, right, right. And so, when 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 that stuff occurs, how do you recognize the point at which something needs to occur like that? Well, um, in that particular case, I think about all the accountants I've talked to who said you should at this level think about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it's the right answer or not is a whole different question. I had I, I spoke to somebody recently who had bought real estate in a C corporation, which is like the worst thing. You never do that because then if it gains in value and you sell it, you have to pay extra taxes. Oh. But the reason he did it was he didn't want any of the money to come out of the corporation because it was going to affect his personal taxes, which was going to have ancillary effects. So um, whether it ends up being the best option or not, the key is understanding what the goal is. Yeah. Well, and understanding why you're doing it, right? Like, I mean, it's don't just do it because somebody suggested it. Yeah, the reason it. Like, for it. Che- yeah, check your fact, check your yep. homework. Now, here's the thing that blew my mind early in my career. It took me a really long time to come to grips with this. There's not always a right answer. Right? Doesn't mean it's a wrong answer either. But sometimes the answer is okay. Like you could, there's more than one outcome that could work that can really sort of trip people up sometimes to realize that what if there's more than one way to get there, right? And what if people have different opinions and neither of them is wrong, nor is one of them more right? Well, and it's worse when it's a husband and wife or a couple that a couple in general that disagrees on the path there. Sure. Right. Sure. I mean, I think that that can really create challenges, Uh, but the, the, what I'm just encouraging everybody is understand that the flexibility in planning is that sometimes 
it is you pick a path, right? It's it's not that there's only one path. You just pick the path that you're going to take. Right. And because we're not going to, you're not going to know everything, right? That That's the other trick about this is that. And then pivot when appropriate. And and that's the biggie is I think if if you have a tendency to want to plan things and, and you find yourself getting really rigid and like, this is the plan, it must be this way, you are probably setting yourself up with some expectation problems. Or being flexible enough to understand that if you do pivot, it's okay, right? Like, yeah. don't beat yourself up about it. Like, just yeah. pivot and go. I do find myself saying, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like I've heard those words from you before, Derek. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've lived those words with you before, Derek. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, it, it, in the end, the, it, it is a process. It is evolutionary in nature. It's iterative in nature. So uh, just realize that. And we're talking not just about finance. We're talking about all kinds of things in your world. So don't don't get don't get so marred by the details that you miss the destination that you had in mind. Right? You, you could you could go and then of course don't look focus so much on the destination that you avoid the details. So there's. There's useless advice for you. Like, I was like, so where did, what uh, was that again? Basically, just wing it. <laughs> uh, totally not it at all. No. And if, please don't tune into the podcast right at that point. Yeah. When you when you, when you reach a threshold, though, when you're over your head, bring in a ringer. I think that's the. I mean, to this day, I still use my attorney, right? And I know a and whole your bunch CPA about it. And, and a bunch of p- yeah. other professionals to help be your sounding board. Bring in ringers all the time, Derek. I ask you for advice all the time, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so it's part of the security program. <laughs> so, uh, uh, look, if if you find yourself trying to figure this stuff out, you need some direction. Katie, how do they reach us? Five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. All right, Derek, how do they reach you? Five four one six seven 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 one eight five. All right, well, the music is playing, gang, so that means we are out of time. So just a reminder, you can catch all this again at uh, littlejohnfs.com under the Educate tab. You'll catch the podcast. One more time, that number, Katie? 541-375-0898. All right. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And Derek Simmons. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.